Let me just open in prayer. Father, um, I come before you and I, I thank you uh, for this time that we have together um, to be able to hear your word. Help me, Father, to um, be able to put forth what it is that you've placed inside my heart. I ask for all of the ears here, Father, as I know that when you give a word, there are some parts that might pertain to some and some not so many, but you speak to each of us the same. You give us the bread, and you're the one that feeds us. And so, Father God, I ask that not one person would leave here uh, without having been fed. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to start off with it's the month of Elul, and that means return. And uh, that's in the, the Hebraic calendar. And it's getting ready to go up to the high holy days of the, yes, so many celebrations. Um, but I was chit-chatting with Tanya this week, and she just had such a beautiful picture. There was a few things that she said to me, and I asked if she would share them. So, um, so uh, Alul, the, the letters start out, and I think I shared some of this. I, like, text some of you guys as well, but... For the men that aren't on the church ladies' chair <laughs> and the children. Um, uh, Alul stands, the rabbi say Alul stands for Ani Lodori Vidori Li, which is I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. And so it's that, that idea of returning to your beloved. And, uh, and, and so the, the idea of turning to me is um, sometimes it, it's, it's a time of repentance. It's the 40 days of repentance. Um, before the, the day of judgment. And so uh, to me, when we, um, oftentimes as Christians, when we think of repentance, we think, oh, I got to go all the way back there. Like I, I'm, I'm here in this wrong spot and I got to get all the way back to God somewhere. He's way back there. And that's, that's going to be a hard walk. And, 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 my, and I just saw that um, God is Emmanuel. He is, he is with us, right? He's, Emmanuel means right alongside of us, behind us as a rear guard, in front of us, making the way smooth. And so when we, Teshuvah, when we repent, when we, we turn around, we, we find he's, he's right there. He, it's not a long walk back to get back to the Lord. He's just right there. And he's just right alongside us. And, uh, and then I just had another picture of, uh, we've, all had it, we've all seen it when our kids, they think they're lost. And you, you see that moment of panic cross their face. And, and then as soon as they see you, you're, all you got to do as the parent is say, you know, oh, I'm right here. And, and they see you, and they're like, oh, there she is. And that's what repentance is. It's turning and finding the Lord right there. It's turning, and that instant, um, that instant panic is just instant relief. And that's repentance. Teshuva. Thank you. Teshuva. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I've, uh, we were at um, Disneyland one time, and it was Van, actually. She kept walking away, walking away. And she'd get sidetracked, you know, with, with the shiny things and everything. And so finally we are like, okay, she's got to feel maybe a little bit scared or something. So we just kind of watched. We, we had our eyes on her the entire time, um, but she didn't know that. And she was just watching the different things and all the sights and sounds. And all of a sudden she's just like this, like, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. Where did they go? And she had no idea where we were. We knew where we were at, and we, we let her feel a little bit nervous for a bit, and then came to her rescue, but when she turned and looked for us is when she saw us, so um, I just thought that was a really neat uh, illustration, so um, as I was praying uh, for the last several weeks, I haven't got to be here, so this is exciting for me to be able to, to be back. I've had so much fun with the kids and watching them and just all their questions and all their uh, little um, 
I don't call them interruptions because oftentimes they're just the exactly it takes us on a path of of talking exactly what we need to talk about. So it's been really neat. I've learned a lot about you mothers, by the way. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the Holy Spirit had been putting on me, and something I've been praying about for um, several weeks now, is the weary Christian. And uh, I just felt like it was a needful time, a needful time in this, this day and age that we're living in to address the weariness that in our walks that we could be feeling. So I just want it, want it to be a message of hope and encouragement, but also hopefully of one of instruction. And so if you've become too weary to fight, too weary to care, too weary to hold to convictions, too weary to not compromise, too weary to stand your ground, you aren't alone. There is so many, I'm, I'm hearing it a lot in, in speaking with people and everything, people are worn out. We can't help but be bombarded by everything that we are seeing on the news, everything that our, our senses are taking in constantly, we can't escape it. And there's just a weariness. And even if we are of the understanding of, I understand the times that we're living in, and I've accepted the times that we're living in, there still is a heaviness to living in the times that we are in, right? So um, I wanted to, I was praying about this, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was showing me that there is a purposeful, strategic attack of the enemy that, to wear us down, to absolutely wear us down with fear, to overload us with constant bombardment, to use the lies of discouragement saying, well, it's over, and that's, there's nothing we can do about it at all. And um, like I said, we can't escape all the things. It, news is happening faster than we can even report it to each other in a text message, right? And be deleted. And be deleted, yes, exactly. I mean, it just is constant. It doesn't stop. So as I was praying about this and I was thinking, I was thinking about the most elite forces as Americans that we have is our SEALs team. And we see them as just the, the most elite. They are the best of the best. And we know that their training is rigorous. But the very first thing that they do to the SEALs is deprive them of sleep. They make them worn out before they ever get started in all of the harsh trainings that they're going to go through. Because I don't know about you guys, but there's been times where I've been, like, I, I look and I think I could be a Navy SEAL or something. And, <laughs> like, I could do that. But it's like one challenge. And I look at that challenge, I'm like, I think I could, that's just mind over matter. I think I could do that. But I'm not taking in what they call Hell Week. And that is what it's called. It's called Hell Week for a reason. It's because they deprive you first of your sleep. I couldn't do any of those things if I was that tired. If, if, you're, if you're hungry, if you're exhausted, if you're worn out, you're not going to function the same if you were just to take a fresh person and put them in a battlefield. So what the Holy Spirit was showing me in this is that they are pushed to the absolute end of themselves in that training in Hell Week because of the weariness. And most don't pass the training. The tool to break them and to influence them is sleep deprivation. And many believers are worn out. We have no rest. It has been constant bombardment. It's been overload. And this is just the times we are in, and this is what we're going to be living in. And God knows that this isn't going to go away. And so we must find a way to live and see the plan of the enemy, see what he's trying to do. 
And don't make any mistake about this. You are in a spiritual battle right now. This is warfare right now. In this hour. We were made for this hour. And we are in spiritual warfare. This is what we have to face. The generation before us didn't have to do it. It's us. We were chosen. We are chosen to walk in this time. And what his plan is for your life is to make you weary. Wear you out. It's much harder to fight, to resist, to make clear choices when you're tired. We see that just with Elijah. Remember when Elijah went um, and ran after he had all the, the, the false prophets were fire from heaven came down, all this miraculous stuff happened, and he ran, and he was afraid of Jezebel, and then he, he goes, I'm, I'm so, like, it's all me, I'm just alone, all left by myself. And then he was nourished he was ministered to with food and, and sleep. Take a nap. Get some sleep. So even Elijah, the prophet of God, who called down fire from heaven, needed a nap and needed to eat. Okay? So that should tell us something. We're not above that. As I was praying and asking the Lord, however, I don't know how to fight this weariness because we can't escape it. It's not like it's going to go away all of a sudden. This is the battle we're in. So what, what, how do we... What do we do? And I felt like he was showing me that we, under, we need to understand that we have, whether we want to or not, we, it's just like being inundated by the world. It's the world is, we're, we're in it, right? And so there's things of the world that are going to get on us, and we're going to get overwhelmed and tired and exhausted. And the world has sown seeds of discontentment in our lives, seeds of self-absorption, Seeds of unbiblical expectations that have been planted by the enemy for this very reason. It's not sudden. This has been happening for the last, especially the last 10 or 15 years in our own lives. Through media, through the world, and either, even through a compromised church message. We have been inundated with a hypnotic fog. Seemingly harmless and quote-unquote good ideas of of phrases we might hear now that we think are harmless. Me time, self-care. Those things aren't bad in themselves if, if, if that's just the one thing. But when it creates this idea of self-worship, then we understand that we're putting seeds in our heart that become idols that we don't even recognize. And then when all this weariness comes, we're so discontented. Even though we knew, we've been warned, we understood that this stuff was going to happen, and here we are in it. We've even been people that have talked about it. This is going to happen. Here's what's going on. Do you see it? Do you see it? And here we are, and yet we're still so worn out by it. So this has caused, I believe, a softening and a weakening of God's people. From the pulpits we are fed that we are meant only for prosperity and blessing and joy overflowing. That's the message. We are meant to be happy, but then we use the standards of the world to gauge what happiness is. And we define it through the world standards of what joy and blessed and happy means in our lives. We're not using the standard of the word of God anymore. And when faced with this topic, many Christians, I would say, if we were to sit down and have a conversation, would say, yeah, I, you know, that's why I won't go to that church. They speak this, that, or the other. And yet we've unknowingly eaten the fruit as well in our lives. I'm going to get down. No. We are weakened by our weariness, by the weariness and the false messages. 
<laughs> Don't embarrass him. Um, and as I was praying about this and just really asking the Lord, well, uh, you know, I, I, I can see that. I can see a pattern of discontentment sown into our lives, no matter how much we try to fight against it. But where does that come from? And it comes especially in the form, I mean, we can't really compare this. Here we got, you know, Afghanis that are being persecuted so badly right now um, in just running from uh, terrorism. And we don't have that. There's a lot of things that we haven't yet experienced. But we believe we deserve. We deserve to be happy. We deserve to travel. We deserve our freedoms. Uh-oh. That one's going to... That one, I think, pokes us a little bit because we're Americans. We were founded in a Christian uh, or biblical Judeo-Christian foundation. The pilgrims made a covenant with the Lord, and that's how our nation got started. We deserve because this nation has been given to God, and we have uh, these rights. We deserve our retirement plans. We deserve to spend our time and money on building the lives here and enjoying every single moment of it. We deserve perfect marriages, perfect bodies, perfect children. We deserve the Pinterest house and parties and homeschools. We deserve comfort and ease. We deserve escape and not endurance theology. We deserve to love who and how we want, medicate and self-indulge how we want. We deserve attention and flattery and likes on social media. We deserve a significant platform and deserve also grace, love, and compassion when we mess up in front of everybody at the cost of truth and conviction of God's judgment. Can anyone please point me to the scriptural basis or evidence of this philosophy? And yet this is what we've eaten. Maybe it's just been little nibbles over the years, and maybe it's been big old bitefuls. It's an anti-biblical message that fights against the message of crucify the flesh. That's what the word of God tells us to do. Or when Jesus says it over and over, that if we follow him, we will suffer. It's difficult to see because uh, the name of Christianity has been slapped on... Switch arms. (laughs) Um, it's been slapped on it. So first, I want you guys to recognize there is a plan from the enemy against your life, and it's to wear you out, because there's a big battle on the horizon. And if he can totally wear us out, then he knows that we'll give up, just like hell week. Then I want you to evaluate what tactics, you're going to make me feel really old, Nessa. Please do not grab my wrinkled neck. <laughs> That's just, you know, just my cheek or something. Um, then evaluate the tactics that have been employed that have worked on you. Some of those things that I named that have worked on you. Some of these things may not have any hold on you. Like they don't ring or resonate with you at all. But some may have a very strong hold on you. And you need to ask, have I been duped? by the love yourself message without weighing it against the command of God. Of course we're supposed to love ourselves. This is the temple, right? But not to the point of self-worship. Not to the point of creating idols in our lives. 
in uh, the Bible we hear in Mark, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. We are to not become idols of worship for ourselves. And we might think, well, that word sounds so strange, idols. But anything that we are putting in that place where the Lord belongs, of self, that becomes our idol. It is a true thing. It is a real thing. And that's why Satan so cleverly works on us that way. But you guys, we're living in some times that we can't get wearied from the battle right now. There is something bigger on the horizon. All we have to do is look here, read the news. We already know it's here. It's coming, and it's not going to stop. Jeremiah, he gives a clear warning, an exhortation for us. It says, if you have run with the footmen and they've wearied you, then how can you contend with the horses? And if in the floodplain or if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of Jordan? Basically, if you're already worn out and tired and ready to give up now in these light afflictions that we're facing, then how do you suppose you're going to be able to fight in the heavier battles? If you're running away or laying down your weapons of warfare now while still living in a nation of peace and freedom, how are you going to survive when that changes? The Word of God teaches us it's the small foxes that destroy the vine, meaning that in the grapevine, it wasn't like some big bear that came over and just ripped up everything. It was the little tiny things, the little foxes. They would chew on the vine and it would kill the vine and ultimately kill the whole plant. We have been deceived into swallowing a lie that we can live an undisciplined life. After all, it's not a big deal. And as long as we hold to the big truths, Jesus is Lord, without any training or discipline that we're going to be okay. Believer, that is not true. The Bible tells us in Daniel on Revelation that there's a time coming that's going to be worse than anything that has ever happened on this earth or ever will. The Bible Uh, speaks to it, and and we can look in in history and say, well, the Holocaust was horrible. Russian gulags are horrible. The torture of Chinese underground church, that's horrible. What's happening to the Afghans, that is horrible. And yet, the word tells us that these aren't even as bad. We are also told that there will be a great falling away from truth and apostasy. Many believers are going to walk away. Do you ever ask yourself why? Can you see it now, in this time, why so many will walk away? They're tired. They're worn out. The false prophets proclaiming from the pulpits peace and safety nonstop and have been nothing but that. I mean, it's just not happening. It's not true. They're getting tired. We are getting tired. Everything that we can study from the word of God and affirm is that there will be, in that time, a few, not many, It's a time of narrowing and refining and testing that will not be for the nominal Christian, meaning you say you're a Christian and that's where it ends for you. We can read Jesus' words to the letters in the churches in Revelation that it won't be a time for the weak, the compromised, or the lukewarm. And those are Jesus' words, not mine. Yes, we may have all fallen into some degree of that trap of weariness. It's been exhausting 
to perceive and understand with spiritual eyes what is happening and what will continue to happen. It's been exhausting to accept the times that we are in, to be in a constant state of defense by simply questioning this agenda that we all see is happening. It is in a constant state of defense that we walk out our doors ready for somebody to say something to us. I was, um, had the opportunity this week um, to go meet with uh, our prior pastor and we hadn't seen each other for some time and we must have needed catching up. We, we chatted for five hours and it was such a, a just a feeling, filling me up and so many of the things that um, I was talking about were just absolute confirmation. Um, but as I was leaving the restaurant uh, that I was paying and there was somebody waiting to hear from a manager and this man was just irate. He was just so upset and uh, he had a mask on and you know I'm not making statements here or there or the other. I'm just saying look at the condition of where we're at society I should say. We're already experiencing it. Families are being divided and everything else. Um, but he was very mad that he had come into a restaurant and that uh, why go through all the trouble of having your cooks wear masks and everything if the person that's going to come over is just going to spit all over my food when he brings it to me. And he was just he was beside himself. He was uh, so afraid and, and so upset. Like, I don't need to catch their diseases. And they're just spitting all over my food. And, and I, I was wondering, like, how is she going to handle this? And she just, she apologized and, and said, okay, at our next staff meeting, thank you for bringing that to our attention. At our next staff meeting, we'll make sure to bring that up. And you just see that there has been enough fear that has been inundated that we don't need the government to keep telling us and, and creating the fear because it's just it's an infection throughout society that now citizens are angry with one another. The citizens are doing the work, and that's the plan of it. That's how you, that's how you create such a monster. Um, so it's been exhausting to, to just simply be alive in this time, to simply go into public it, and... But if this is convicting or if it all resonates with you, um, then I want you to understand that the spirit of truth is, is warning us, is speaking to us. And we can be in danger of not being prepared if we don't recognize the plan, the scheme of the enemy. Do you want daddy? you want daddy? Oh, no, okay. Nope. Reject it again. Um, <laughs> As I was praying about this, I saw uh, a pathway, and in the middle, there was a fork in the road, and at the, in the middle there, there was like this big clock, and it was getting ready to strike 12, getting ready to strike midnight. And it was like, which way are you gonna go? You're gonna either slam your hand down as it's going off, you're deserving of sleep hand down as it's going off, and uh, hit the snooze button again, or you're gonna get up, you're gonna get dressed, you're gonna put on the armor, and you're going to go to the training grounds and you're going to let your weaknesses be exposed for the sake of strengthening them. I want to remind you guys that several years ago, and I think I've shared this before, that um, before all this stuff happened, the Lord gave me a vision of, of, of Christian families inside their home with a blanket. They were shut in and there was this, a blanket, this dark blanket over them. And, and underneath that blanket, it was the dealings of God. And they were the dealings of God. Which one of us as parents, when we see that our child is in error, doesn't try to first come to them and deal with them in private? But when we see that a continued behavior that is damaging to them, there are degrees of discipline. 
in the life of a believer because of God's love for us, to bring him to, back to him, to bring teshuva, repentance, and returning back to the Lord. Pop, pop, can't go get your horse right now. Not right now. And that any one of us as good parents aren't going to just let, the, let it go. We're going to put our finger on that, and we're going to deal with that with our child. And it's the same thing. But the reason in dealing with that is because we know that there is going to cause a future problem if we don't allow that thing to get under control. Right? So weariness is part of this walk. And the only true rest that we're going to have is coming to the Lord. The world is going to continue in its anti-Christ agenda. And I just want to say this. No matter who's elected. Okay? We've already proven this out. We had what we believe as Christians, a very conservative um, administration for four years. Did it stop anything? Did this agenda, this global agenda, cease? No. It's not going to stop, you guys, because God has appointed times for things. We are going to continue to see a spiral headlong into a one-world order. We will see continued created chaos to bring in solutions that will tear families apart, that will label them and condemn those who hold fast against it. We will continue to see those who proclaim Christ giving in or giving up, and many will walk away in weariness and dashed faith. You guys, I'm weary too. I'm tired too. It's exhausting being in this I'm also tired because the Lord has put something on my heart for the last 20 years that I've been warning about and we're here. And yet it's still watching my brothers and sisters fall. They're still watching even after all of the warnings and all of the things of knowing that this is the very time we're going to be in. So many just wanting, there's no hope left in them. There's, There's just a wanting to give up. They don't know what to do. And it comes back to those things of we're disappointed and we're discontent even though we knew it was going to happen. And so we have to start looking at why those seeds of discontent, we've been taking in and and being fed these lies. I'm watching people run from testing, run from the refiner, and in fear and weariness and disappointment in false messages they're having a hard time standing. My husband said it so perfectly the other week we were um, discussing, and I just thought this was just the most perfect picture. He said, if we fail every pop quiz we are given and don't change the approach, why in the world do we think we're going to pass the final exam? God has been giving us throughout our lives pop quizzes. He, those are the things that are, are in our hearts that he sees, those those. Uh, ways about ourselves, whether it's a, a sinful thing or, or something that he's been putting his finger on, a, a, an attitude, a, whether it's pride or lust or um, greed or any of these things that he's been putting his finger on and, and he gives us pop quizzes. He allows the temptation in our life and then we're going to either pass it or fail it. But if we fail it and do nothing different, why do you think that you're going to pass the final exam if you've done nothing different? Um, all right, I have to open my Bible now. So, I 
Okay. So my passage today is in Ezekiel, uh, chapter 14. Now, Ezekiel, if you guys want to turn with me there. Actually, it might be a little bit before that. But um, Ezekiel was a prophet. Uh, he was of the priestly line. He was a contemporary to Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, during that time period, during the the captivity and and exile. And God had used him as a a prophet to warn Judah that you guys are getting, like, it's going to get destroyed. So they were already in exile. They already weren't in this wonderful place. They had already been warned, warned, warned by Jeremiah. And here they are now in exile. And... Um, but he's warning them before the final destruction, before they're actually taken into captivity. And God has them do all sorts of crazy things, playing out things, like so that the people could actually see as a visual. He'd have them like, go pick up his clothing and, and bags and, and carry them. And, and so the people would ask, what are you doing, you know, Ezekiel? And he would tell them, this is what the Lord's going to do to you. He's going to put you in exile. We're leaving. I have nothing left. He's digging holes in his house. He's having to lay on his side. He's, God's having him do all these visual things so that they would have a visual understanding because he was reaching out to them and letting them know. Um, <clears throat> so the condition of what was going on there was, we read in the chapter prior, is um, he was letting them know that they had uh, made idols in their heart. He had said that... Um, it says, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their heart and put them before me, that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of them at all? What he was saying was, here they are on the outside. He didn't say they erected idols. He said idols in their heart. Maybe they had erected idols. I don't really know. But the word of God tells us they had idols in their heart and that God was revealing these things secretly in their heart. They were doing everything outwardly the same. If you think about it, if they're coming to the prophet to inquire of a prophet the word of God, then outwardly they're, they're looking the same. But God is saying, I see those idols in your heart. And what you're gonna, you think that you're going to come and, and inquire of me then? So let's just put this into nowadays, is that we have the Holy Spirit with us. They didn't. They, they, that's how they would hear from God as a prophet would speak to them. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us, so, and we have the word of God, and so these things are, are witnesses to our spirit. We know, you know what the Holy Spirit is saying oftentimes, and that doesn't mean we can't get it mixed up or anything, but it's like us having all of these hidden idols in our heart and then saying, I can't hear God. I don't know what he's saying. I keep coming to him. He's not talking to me. These idols in their heart caused iniquity, caused that separation. Not a separation of love, but a separation of fellowship. Um, In the chapter prior to that, he was giving a warning to the prophets. In verse uh, 10, he says, Because indeed they have seduced my people. He's talking about the prophets, prophesying falsely. Saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. And he goes on about how he, 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 they built a wall. This wall is crumbling down. And the, these prophets basically are putting mortar and whitewashing it. The wall is falling apart. 
And instead of the prophets prophesying true things, they're prophesying falsely and saying, no, no, peace and safety, nothing bad's going to happen. We're going to continue on. You guys, do you hear that right now? Our walls are crumbling down. Can we face that? It's the truth. We have a lot of false prophetic words out there saying, no, no, let's just plaster it up here. If we get this, if Trump gets back in, if, 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 then we're going to rise again and, and be this wonderful thing. And we're plastering it and whitewashing it to make it look nice and pretty. But what the Lord says about that to them, and he says it to us today, is I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury, and there shall be a flooding rain in my anger and great hailstones in fury to consume it. So I will break down the wall you have plastered with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that its foundations will be uncovered. It will fall, and you shall be consumed in the midst of it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Thus will I accomplish my wrath on the wall and all those who have plastered it with untempered mortar, and I will say to the wall that is no more um, nor those who plastered it, that it is the prophets of Israel who prophesy concerning Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, says the Lord. We are in this time. Look at the mirroring images. That is a strong word for us to be able to understand. Now in uh, 14... He's, he's letting them know why he's going to do these things. And in starting in verse 12, he says, The word of the Lord came again to me, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, cut off man and beast from it. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. National sin brings national judgment. And there has been warnings for decades. And we might say, well, how have I sinned? Why, why am I caught up in the middle of this? It's national, guys. It's a national sin. This was a nation that was founded in a certain way, and we have turned as a nation our back on the Lord. I don't need to go into all the things. We already know them. We've already seen them with all the, the different ways in which we've accepted, we've pushed God completely out and accepted the, the, everything else in our schools, in our churches. We've taken on, we've looked like the world, we're not sanctified or set apart. And the Lord says, when a land, he's not just speaking here only to Jerusalem or to Judah, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. There comes a time, and we see it all throughout the word of God, that it doesn't matter. The time has stopped. Judgment is here. It's coming. And you, are they going to understand that and get on board with it and, and realize this is the time God created me for and we're going to live through this and I need to start going to him and letting him deal with these idols that are, I've maybe erected in my heart and let myself be able to, to not be worn out and recognize the tactic of the enemy or you're going to hit that snooze button and say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Maybe, just maybe. But look at what happened to those false prophets and the false prophecies. Our walls are crumbling. False prophecy abounds. And false prophecy says, build them up, slap some more mortar on them, plaster them, whitewash them. 
Tell the people good and easy things. This is a personal application today and an understanding also as a national uh, application. I was going to go further into um, the understanding of even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job. But I'll let you guys do some homework and read chapter 14 through the end there. And uh, we, we can talk about that at some time. It would be interesting to see what you guys receive from that. He, he repeats that over and over and over, like, I think four times. It says, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in the land, you would only save yourself. And then he goes on about these four um, judgments, four severe judgments that happen to be the exact same judgments that are in Revelation with one of the horsemen. So just something to look through and, and to look for. But to make a full circle here, we're going to teshuva. We're going to return back to teshuva. There was a, um, when I was a little girl, there's a, we listened to an eight track in the car, and there was a song on my dad said, I was too little to remember this. And he, it was a song that um, is, I think it's from Isaiah, where it says, Behold, the Lord's hand's not so short that he cannot save. Neither is his ear so dull that he cannot hear. Um, but your iniquity has caused a separation between me and your God. I mean, you and your God. And then it goes on to this chorus. says, Return to the Lord your God. And that was, and my dad said he looked back and I was just weeping. I was like three or four years old. Just weeping. So I thought Kim had pulled my hair or something, and he's like, Nettie, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I said, I, all the, the Lord just wants his people to return. That was something so deep in understanding that even the Spirit can speak to a child. And that's what he's speaking to us today. It is time to return. We are in danger of missing it because of our discontentment or idols in our heart that we have sown, even if, if they might seem small. It is a time right now in this, in this month of Elul to, to understand and to see. And like Tanya said, it's not like you have this huge, long journey. He is right there. You turn to him in a heart of repentance, and he is right there. Even if we don't understand, we don't have all the answers, we don't even get what we're doing, but... We have to recognize if we are going to be those seals that make it through. We're not going to go and ring the bell and give up and go home. To recognize the plan of the enemy is to wear us out. We have to come to the Lord to get our rest. It will be a supernatural rest. So um, I was reading something from Charles Spurgeon, and it was just like, ugh. <laughs> says, whatever is your greatest joy and treasure, that is your God. The Lord's been dealing with me and some things because I don't like feeling trapped. And I feel trapped now. I don't like these rules that they're putting on me because I deserve to travel and see the world. And I deserve to go do all these things in my life. And I'm feeling trapped and frustrated and disappointed and that's fine I can give that to God and he'll start working on it in my life but I hope that today it gives you some hope of understanding of where we're at what is going on why you might be feeling the way that you're feeling and that 
I, I don't know a Christian that's not feeling weary. And if you're not, and if you've already been able to pass those tests and you're able to rest in the, the righteousness, peace, and joy that the Lord has given to you, please be an encouragement to other Christians around you. When you start to see your friends falling and, and, and struggling in this area and they're just worn out, come alongside of them. Lift them up. Pray with them. That's what we need to do as a body of Christ right now. So let's end. Father, we, we thank you for your appointed times. We thank you for Elul and Teshuvah. That we can return to you, and it's like nothing. Just like Tanya said, the child that just realizes, oh, I was lost, and actually the parent was right there the entire time. What a beautiful picture. Lord, I ask that throughout the, the coming weeks, you start to put onto our hearts those places that might poke us, that might, uh, we might want to hold a little tighter of, I deserve. I deserve this. I deserve that. I deserve my freedom. Because, Lord, there is a part of that. It's not false. But, God, you have made us for this time. And you see the plans and the schemes of the enemy against us, that the greater battles that still lie ahead. Lord, we desire to overcome this weariness and to be able to walk in it, knowing that it's, it's not going to lift. Show us how to walk in these times, to come to you, the, the living water, to be refreshed. Lord, we cannot walk in these times without you. And so I ask, God, that you continue, even if we just have a, a, a smoldering, a smoking uh, flax, Father, that you would blow on it and increase that fire in our lives. Lord, that we would not be a people that uh, fail the pop quiz on the things that you're trying to show us in our lives and then think that we're just continue going on in that way and something's going to be any different. Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you that uh, you don't give us false hope. That you are honest and true with us with where we're at. Lord, help us to tune out the things you want us to tune out in this time and, and show us that there's tangible things that we can do. But Lord, we're not asking for escape. We're asking for endurance. In Jesus' name, amen.